Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by actors from the San Joaquin Valley. This episode features the first chapter of The Plunge, A Lake Mystery, featuring Aggie Mundine by Nancy G. West and read by local actor Ariel Bennett. The Plunge was published by Wildside Press in October of 2018. Aggie Mundine is a Chicago newspaper columnist who moves to Texas, where the local paper will print her columns. When she falls in love with Sam, a San Antonio police detective, she decides she should help him solve cases. After four books of mystery, murder, and a tumultuous relationship, they've reached an understanding. In the plunge, they decide to spend time at a friend's riverside cottage, where Sam will investigate the theft of his friend's boat. October 1998. It's a shame somebody stole Chuck's boat, Sam said. His brown eyes focused on the road. A shock of brown hair flecked with gray drooped over his horn rims. He was driving us to Lake Placid, one of a string of lakes on the Guadalupe River, 35 miles away from San Antonio crime. He reached over to squeeze my hand. I'm glad we have a whole weekend, Aggie. (laughs) I smiled. Me too. I've known Chuck Atwell a long time. This place is his getaway from the Houston hustle. He's on the executive fast track and can't get here very often. Nice of him to let us use the place. He looked over and raised an eyebrow above his glasses. Let's investigate the theft quietly and not mention I'm a San Antonio detective. Without saying so, Sam was reminding me not to act on impulse. Obsessively curious and determined to right wrongs, I butted into more than once on a fascinating case. Sam was so work-oriented, how else could I get his attention? If my amateur sleuthing helped solve a crime, impress him, and buoyed my flagging self-esteem, so much the better. It hadn't been all smooth sailing, though. After I created unintended fiascos and nearly got killed, he made it clear that if I stumbled on a crime and felt compelled to investigate, I better consult him. I could deal with that. He was worth it. I was ready for a crime-free weekend with the man I loved in a lakeside cottage on a slice of paradise. Maybe Sam could relax a little. Chuck said he found a shell soap dish missing, but it wasn't valuable. That was Sam, always focused on crime. I sighed and rolled down the window. On both sides of Interstate Highway 10, smattering rains had greened the foliage. I rolled down my window and let the wind hit my face. Like a bird released from a cage, I was overflying the fields, sliding past. I hadn't helped Sam solve a case since last spring. Our fiesta weekend on the Riverwalk turned into a frantic search for poor Monica's killer. Then my new friend's convention ended and all the girls scattered. It wasn't my fault that when I spotted the killer, the girls ended up in the river. After that, my life got pretty tall. I'd been ensconced in my Burr Road bungalow, bored to death. My next-door neighbor, Grace, usually available for coffee and offering me sage counsel, was busy tiling tabletops. Classes offered at local universities didn't intrigue me, and there were no other crimes I could help Sam solve. At least, none I knew about. I even wondered if I should keep writing my Dear Aggie advice column. Hmm, maybe I needed a change. When a couple of raindrops spattered my face, I rolled up the window. Sam peered up through the windshield. Sky's kind of dark, he frowned. Let's see what the weatherman says. 
He turned on the radio, and a voice blared, Weather patterns suggest a storm might develop. Hmm, that's vague. He flipped around the dial and landed on KWED, the radio station for Sanguine near Lake Placid. There's a potential for heavy rain Saturday night and Sunday. I shook my head. That won't matter. We can sit under the patio and watch the rain. I wasn't about to let a little water derail our weekend. How much further is it? We're almost there. A sign rooted us off Interstate Highway 10 and to Highway 90A towards Sanguine. Several yards down the road, a yellow light blinked in front of a brick facade. Lake Placid Estates. <laughs> the sign was a misnomer. There were no estates, only various sized houses on both sides of a winding road. Houses on the left faced the lake. Homes on the right faced the road, the lake visible from front yards. The rain stopped, so I rolled down the window. I loved the smell of fresh water and caught glimpses of the lake through the trees. Ruffled by wind, the water was moving fast. Sam pointed lakeside. That's where Art Lively lives. He knows Chuck and invited us to tonight's homeowners meeting. Sounds nice. As long as I was with Sam, I didn't care where we went. After two years of a contentious, professional relationship, we had grown close in the past few months. We turned off Lake Placid Drive onto Chuck Atwell's property, rolled up the circular drive, and stopped at the low wrought iron gate. I jumped out of his Chevy Caprice. Lake first? I asked, trying not to bounce with excitement. You bet, Sam grinned. We walked across the open-air brick patio toward the lake. In the center of a patio, a pecan tree five feet in diameter spread protective arms over a cottage on either side, wind gusts fluttering its leaves. The front of the patio overlooked the lake, under a roof connecting the two houses. Up river and down, pecans, cypress, and elm trees rose from the bank, creating a wavy canopy, the river undulated by chopping rolls of water bumping fallen tree limbs downriver. Sam pointed. Look at the ducks. Geese, mallards, and wood ducks bobbed along, oblivious to the pulse of rising swells. The lawn sloped 30 feet down to a U-shaped wood plank dock used to house Chuck's boat. The river's side leg went around the far side of the missing boat. On the land side, the pathway extended across the front of the property. Sam pointed to a metal ladder bolted to the dock with steps that led down to the river. The water looks higher than I remember. See the third steps? You can usually see the whole thing. Now there's water lapping over it. If the water got high enough... It could have raised the boat so the tie ropes broke or came loose and the boat drifted out. I suppose. I wish he'd stop fretting and relax. As he walked down flagstone steps, I walked towards the car to unload, but turned to watch him. He crouched on the dock by the metal stanchion, studied it, and pulled at the attached ropes. He walked around the dock to check the outside cleats. Sam swam better than I did, but watching him squat on the narrow walkway with the wind picking up pulling on cleats to see if they were securely bolted, made me nervous. He called to me. The ropes didn't break. They weren't cut. The thief untied them and slipped them off. He must not have been in a hurry. He stood, hands on his hips. Anybody who drives a boat could have done this. His gaze moved from nearby homes to those across the churning river. I wonder who else besides Chuck has keys to the boat, I said. I'll ask him, he paused. Maybe we should pay some neighbors a visit. He came up the steps. We would stay in the larger house with the kitchen. The small one was used as a guest house. 
Shadow boxes attached to its outside wall near the entry door displayed a collection of rocks and shells. Look, Sam, do you think previous guests gathered those as mementos? He nodded slowly, distracted by the debris swirling down the river. Could be. He unlocked the door to the main house. We grabbed overnight bags from the back seat of the car and carried them inside. I helped him haul a cooler packed with food into the kitchen. The cottage was homey, with saltillo tile floors, wicker chairs with cushions, and a few wrought iron tables. The roomy kitchen, flanked with windows, gave grand views of the lake. A bedroom and bath were at the back. Oh, I loved it. Maybe we could buy the cottages from Chuck and live there someday. While Sam carried our bags to the bedroom, I unloaded the cooler, ran water over the fresh chicken we'd eat later, and rubbed seasoning and olive oil into the skin. Even grocery chicken smelled fresher lakeside. Sam returned in cargo shorts, grinning. His shoulders looked relaxed, as though he was beginning to unwind. He scanned the lake. Beautiful view, huh? He contemplated the neighbor's lawn to the left. That's Ella Stapleton's house. Grass grew around a birdbath surrounded by dandelions and a tangle of weeds. Half-buried, barely recognizable objects dotted the lawn. Chuck said she sees everything. She might be a good person to interview. Want me to come? I dried my hands and headed towards the bedroom. I'll be ready in five minutes. Sam rubbed his chin. Hmm. He said she's a little eccentric. She might be more forthcoming if you talk to her alone. <sighs> Considering the weird accumulations of relics protruding through the grass, how did the house look inside? How would Chuck's neighbor view a stranger? I took a deep breath. Okay, I said. I'll see what Alice knows about boat keys. This reading of The Plunge was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. The Plunge is available for purchase. You can learn more about this book and others in the series on the author's website, nancygwest.com. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com. Now, we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL, at Kings River Life. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.